I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. This morning's lesson is the 19th chapter of Luke, verses 37 through 44. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God.
we have been in a series of giving up. Giving up different things in our lives that separate us from God and not just giving up those things for Lent, but giving them up for good. A goal that we have, an onward toward perfection kind of goal. We started out with Ash Wednesday giving up control and then we talked about giving up expectations, then giving up superiority, and today giving up enemies. It's like, Pastor, really? Our enemies? I mean, the other things are between us and God, right? We've got this. We can do this. But when we talk about enemies, it's those people around us that either hurt us or or demand things from us that just are so opposite of what we could possibly imagine. Maybe they're people that we're very afraid of. Enemies take on all different kinds of shapes and forms. Now, we could be like the gentleman that turned 100 years old. He, uh, This centurion was interviewed by a reporter, and he said, what is your one thing that you're the most proud of in your life? And the centurion said, oh, I'm so proud of the fact that I have no enemies. Well, the reporter said, how inspirational. That is just amazing. And he went on and he said, yep, I outlived them all. <laughs> we could go that route. <laughs> But I think that Jesus had something else in mind for us that makes a difference right now in our lives. You see, as we look at this scripture, it says, Jesus looked upon the city of Jerusalem filled with people that were his peers in life, and he wept. How many of us have ever cried because someone has hurt us. Right? We probably all, if we did a show of hands, I'm sure that we could all raise our hand. And oftentimes it's at the hand of an enemy that's caused us pain. Well, we could be literal, like this one gentleman uh, just last in January of this year in Pensacola, Florida. There was a great disturbance at his home, and uh, he was, the neighbors were just complaining. He was at odds with the neighbors constantly. I would imagine that if you had his top 10 hit list of enemies, it would be these neighbors. Well, they reported him once again for all this disturbing noise that was taking place on his property and so he took the Bible very literally and said to kill them with kindness. He wrote on a big machete the word kindness and went out swinging. <laughs> Was arrested after he actually attached with some one of his neighbors. That's also not what Jesus had in mind. In fact, Jesus was not weeping for himself, even though he had every right to do so. He was weeping for his enemies. And the enemies of the people that were his own enemies. The ones that yelled, 
crucify him. In just a few days from that moment, he had enemies that had rejected him, that had claimed to be interested in his teaching, had claimed to be followers of Jesus Christ, and yet they rejected him completely, rejected him to death. And you see, in Jesus' day, it was, it was something to be talking about enemies because they were very overt in Jesus' day. Pretty much all the Jews, their enemy they would name would be the Romans. And there was a reason for that. You see, a Roman could walk through the streets of Jerusalem, could walk in the midst of Jewish people, and would physically, would physically harm them. And you see, one of the things that they did the most that didn't cause maybe the most physical damage as it could, but a moral and personal damage was slapping them on the face with the back of their hand. That was the most demeaning form of advancement that could take place. It said, you are nothing and I am in control. I am in control of you. There was also that we hear about Jesus telling, you know, if you're commanded to go one mile, go two. You know, your enemy calls you in again. The Romans could legally ask any Jew to stop whatever they were doing and carry their burden for them for a mile. One mile was the limit. It would take a burdened walk through that time. It would take 20, maybe 30 minutes, depending on the direction that they were going for that mile. And so you were cutting out about an hour of a person's day, regardless of what they were doing. And they could demand that of them. There were other things within culture of that day that the Romans could demand of the Jews, but needless to say, the Jews hated the Romans. And they, there wasn't one Jew walking around that didn't want justice to happen. They wanted the Romans to pay for what they did. Now we've all kind of had tinges of this. I happened to, just the other day, driving on 465 around Indianapolis, there was a person that was probably, on 465, the speed limit's supposed to be 55 miles per hour, right? Not many people drive that. But this person had to have been going about 80. And they were weaving in and out of traffic, obviously in a great big hurry to get wherever they were going. And there was a sense in me that thought, ah, justice. Because just up the road, they had been pulled over for speeding, I'm assuming, by a police officer. You know, we feel good when we see justice take place, right? And in Jesus' day, justice was was something that had been Uh, prescripted for them in the Old Testament, you see an eye for an eye. That law that was given to the Jewish people was to bring about order and justice. 
And it was an improvement over what it had been. You see, the lawlessness that had been in place before, if you had insulted someone, either verbally or by a look, you could have been put to death for that. And so an eye for an eye in the Old Testament meant that things were to be equal. You were not to be killed for something that was minor. And so it was a balance. It was a form of justice. But Jesus came along and said, I've got something either better. You've heard in the Old Testament an eye for an eye, but I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. We hear this as a part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verse 43. Love your enemies. It's not about getting equal with them. Love them. During the uh, Civil War, Abraham Lincoln was highly criticized because he wanted the Confederate families and soldiers to be treated with compassion. And his cabinet was just kind of outraged. They thought, this is, this is hideous. And they kept talking to um, Abe Lincoln about the fact that this is just ridiculous. We're at war. And his response to them was, the best way to destroy your enemies is to make them friends. This is what Jesus was talking about. Making friends of enemies. The picture up here is a picture of a sculpture that has just caught my heart. I've been... um, kind of a fan of this artist for a while. His name is Timothy Schmoltz. And Timothy uh, has been creating for the last 22 years. He uh, began, he was first commissioned when he was 17 years old. And he creates uh, primarily, but not exclusively, but primarily uh, what connects to his heart are his images of Jesus Christ, this being one of them. This image uh, itself is called Love Your Enemies. And in talking about this in interviews that he has given about his works of art, he said this particular image was, uh, this sculpture was created on the 15th anniversary of 9-11. And he said, this is an image of Jesus Christ embracing a terrorist. Kind of hits close to home, doesn't it? Loving your enemies. And one of the most powerful things I think he said in the interview about this is he said, You know, out of all the works that I've done, and he's done some amazing, he has one sculpture where Jesus is kneeling and weeping over a dead body. And it's apparent that the person 
who was lying face down on the ground, had been shot in the back. But he said, what I think, out of all the sculptures that I have done of Jesus and his people and teaching us how to live, he said, I think this one would make a terrorist most angry. And you see, when we offer love to an enemy, we cannot expect them immediately to go, oh, okay, all right, you love me, that's all right. I'll be good now. If anything, it will probably make the enemy angrier. Because you see, it's not what they expect. It's not the retaliation that they had hoped to stir. Because you see, hate produces hate. That's the problem with hate. It produces hate. It continues to multiply. And hate, when it infiltrates a body, when it takes over a body, it can completely change a personality. Hate distorts how we see the world, how we see each other. And what was good becomes bad. What was truth becomes evil. Hate changes us. And the only way to break that cycle, the only way to do that, and Jesus was promoting this, is that you love. You offer love instead of hate. You offer love to them. So how do we do this? I mean, that's a really tall order, Jesus. (laughs) How do you do that to someone who has hurt you, who has disrespected you, who has harmed you even to the point of death? Uh, There was in 1957, Martin Luther King Jr. in his speech about love your enemies says, I would rather die than hate. And he did. Hate killed him. And yet, his message of love, like Jesus's, continues to live on way beyond his life on earth. So you see, loving an enemy is not an instant fix. It's a continual change that has to come from Christ's followers. And continue to work in the world over and over and over again. This, um, how do we do this then? One of the things that we have to do is to greet our enemy. I know very personally it's a whole lot easier to just ignore them. I don't want any harm. I don't want to do anything bad to them, but I really don't want to acknowledge that they're even here. I don't want to acknowledge that they exist. And the first thing that we do is stop avoiding them and acknowledge them. 
acknowledge who they are in our lives. Acknowledge that they are our enemy. They have caused us pain. They have earned that title. And we acknowledge who they are by not avoiding them any longer. And then the second thing that we do is disarm them. We do that which they least expect. (laughs) Doesn't mean that we have to physically embrace them, but we disarm them. We do those things that they would least expect. There was also a priest in Florida who quite recently was murdered. Before his murder, he had worked for many, many years in Florida, and he worked with a very disturbing group of folks. He worked with convicts, and he worked with drug addicts, and he worked with criminals uh, yet to be convicted. And he worked with those that had mental disabilities and imbalances. And he had lots and lots of enemies because he practiced loving them. And they didn't understand that. But 22 years before his murder, he wrote and had notarized a declaration of life. And in this document, he had written to be given to the judge of the person that was convicted of his murder. He knew the danger of doing what he was doing. And so this document was given to the judge when they had the person that had murdered him, and this person was on trial, and it said, I am pleading for the life of the one who has murdered me. Please offer him leniency. And by no means should he suffer the death penalty. He was offering love even beyond the grave. He was disarming Actually, that declaration of life probably disarmed everybody, (laughs) but definitely his enemies. And then we are to pray. Pray for them. Lift them up to God. You see, part of who we are, we take to God on their behalf. We pray for those things that we need, that we desire for ourselves. We pray for those things for our enemies. We take those things to God in prayer. We wish them the blessings of the best of life that their hearts might be softened as well as our own because, you see, if we can't 
fully go to God in prayer on their behalf. We can fully be honest with God and say, God, I just hate this person. I hate who they are. I hate what they've done. I hate. And I carry that in my own life. And God, I pray that you will love them and teach me to join you in loving them. And that you work in their heart as well. Removing the evil and replacing it eventually with love for you. And so we pray a difficult prayer for those that we call enemies. And I'm going to ask you to remain seated, but another prayer posture that we are going to use today. This one, the church has actually given a name. It's called the Orans posture. It's listed in your bulletin, a little picture of that. And the Orans posture of prayer normally is standing, but we're going to remain seated. But it's the arms outstretched to your side with the palms up. This posture is a posture of vulnerability. Folks, if you were to pray this way, surrounded by enemies, and to close your eyes, guess what? You have no way to defend yourself, do you? You have completely opened yourself up to your enemy. And in doing so, you have fully opened yourself up to trusting God. That God will not only take care of you, but take care of your enemy as well. To change their heart and their mind as well. If not now, by your example. So I invite you to assume this posture, hands to your side, outstretched either way, and let's pray. God of this moment and all moments to come, we open ourselves up to you that you, Lord, may see our hearts, and may change them, that we may truly learn how to love our enemies. And Lord, we've opened ourselves up to our enemies as well, that we may heap love into their lives instead of seeking justice or revenge or fill our life with hate. Remove those things, Lord, and replace it with love. Amen.